When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. There is nothing I love more than an amazing meal with high-quality meat cooked at home because... Let's be honest, eating out is so expensive. And you also know that eating out is the number one budget buster. That is why I am so glad I found ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service dedicated to delivering high-quality, grass-fed and grass-finished beef, organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood directly to your doorstep with free shipping always. You even get exclusive member deals, recipes, and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing price. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Use code ETM and get $20 off your first box at ButcherBox.com. Last night, we made a beef stew with meat from ButcherBox, and you can taste the difference. It was so satisfying and delicious. And all of our friends that were over for a dinner party, they raved at how good it was. So do yourself a favor and eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered to your door. ButcherBox is offering my listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm and use code ETM to choose your free offer and get $20 off. No matter your gender, you most certainly know of or have worn a sports bra. On this episode, I have the most eye-opening, inspiring entrepreneur 101 crash course conversation with Lisa Linhall, the creator of the original very first sports bra, and how she took an idea and turned it into an entire industry without even having a business background. If you have ever wanted to create something, this episode is going to inspire you to take that leap. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton-Gain, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. The experts say that the best way to start a thriving business is to solve a problem that you have. Then, of course, there are a million and one details that you have to consider. But this month, we're talking about a healthy money mindset and considering the power of what if. 
what if the idea you have for a problem you want to solve ends up changing culture and people's lives? It's pretty powerful. Lisa's story is one for the record books. How more people don't know about her really truly baffles me. And I don't want to spoil her story, but Lisa loved to run. It was like her stress reliever, but she hated what happened to the girls, we'll call them, when she would run. So she thought there had to be a solution. And there wasn't. So she just created one. How crazy is that? And then she created an entire marketplace for sports bras as we know it. She profiles her story in her new book, Unleash the Girls, the untold story of the invention of the sports bra and how it changed the world and me. But I want you to hear the story from her. So let's dig in. Lisa, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. You are a legend and I'm honored to have you here with us. Well, thank you, Sean. I really appreciate it. I love being on. I love being on your podcast. I think it's great. I, I really millennial money. Wow, tell me about it. <laughs> well, we had just have got an amazing group of listeners, hundreds of thousands of listeners all around the world that uh, have been following me for about five years now and uh, listening to how I I attempt to bring real life. <laughs> To money, you know, I think it's this thing that touches every single one of us and it touches every aspect of our lives. And so my goal is just it to help. certainly does. Yeah, my goal is just to help break down that taboo topic and the stigma around money so that uh, we can, you know, come to a place and have cool conversations about it. Good for you. Yay. Yay, and a, and a woman. Yay. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, talking about that, you and your business partner started the first sports bra, which I feel like I need to just like give you a virtual high five for doing <laughs> in, uh, in 77. And I mean, I can only imagine what the entrepreneurial climate for women was in the 70s. What, what was sort of your experience back then with entrepreneurship? Oh, I, well, I was very scanty, to say the least. I I really wasn't planning to go into business at all. I was working as a secretary to make money, and I had an art studio in my basement, and I had gone back to school because, like many women of my generation, I had interrupted my college education to get married and follow <laughs> my husband to where he was going. And, um, but in 76, I guess it was, I had, um, gone back to school to finish my undergraduate degree and start on my graduate degree. And, um, when I came up with the idea for, uh, bra for when I was running, I thought it would be a nice little mail order business on the side to help me, <laughs> uh, get through school. Yeah. But to go into business? Mm, I didn't think so. Oh, wow. Well, what were a, you an avid runner at the time? Is that kind of how you felt like, wait a minute, we need something more, a little bit more supportive here? Oh, absolutely. At the time, I was running about 30 miles a week, and the, which is about five or six miles a day. And the real irony is, oh, Aishana, I was not uh, athletic as a kid. I wasn't one of those girls out in the field hockey, yeah. doing field hockey or on the tennis courts or anything like that. I, I, um, I kind of shied away from organized sports and all that, but boy, when I discovered running, I loved it. It was 
I was not a competitive runner. For me, yeah. running was more of a spiritual practice, actually. It was, it just connected me to beautiful outdoor uh, spaces and to the natural world. And I loved it, except my breasts bounced and were uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, I could see how that would be a problem. Well, I think what's so <laughs> fascinating, I was, I was telling my mom that I was doing this interview with you and she said, well, you know, in the 60s and 70s, A, we weren't in this kind of like exercise climate that we were in, that we're in now. Um, she's like, I think, Correct. you know, we all just, we, di we didn't have everything automated. So we had to do the washing ourselves. We had to mow our lawns ourselves and do all these other things. So there wasn't maybe necessarily that need to be, you know, as exercise friendly as we are today. But uh, she said, you know, that she absolutely remembered when the first sports bra came out and she kept thinking, well, this is interesting. Like, why hasn't this come about? You know, why didn't somebody think about this already? So I think it's just fascinating that you, you know, came up with this idea. And then how did you then decide, like, okay, I have this idea. How in the world did you figure out, like, then how to to get it made? And did you talk about it with, like, some of your girlfriends? Like, what was your process like? <laughs> well, that's, that's also ironic because all right, so I, it started out as a joke, really, because my sister called me and said, "I she'd just begun running, and what did I do to for a bra? And I told her I didn't know, and she said, well, why isn't there a jock strap for women? Ha, 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 you know, same <laughs> idea, different part of the anatomy. And I said, yeah, that's not such a bad idea. And, and um, But the irony is, I don't sew. I... I took an eighth grade grade sewing class and I flunked. Well, I got a D. I mean, I really didn't do well. Yeah. But my friend Polly was in the same class and she did really, really well. And she happened that summer of 1977, she happened to be um, renting a room from me and my husband because she was the costume designer for the Champlain Shakespeare Festival mm. because she was a costume designer. Yeah. So I went and knocked on, on her door upstairs and I said, Polly, Polly, help me. I want to build this bra. <laughs> and she rolled her eyes. And, right. But between the two of us, we crafted this very first sports bra. And actually, all right, the real truth is the working prototype, we had a hard time figuring out how to do a bra that was really supportive. And the working prototype, the one that finally worked, was two jock straps cut in half, sewed back together so that the pouches became cups. No. And the really, and the waistband became a rib band, and the straps crossed on the back. Yes. That's genius. It literally is a jock <laughs> strap for the uh, for the ladies. Uh huh. Uh huh. That was the first jog bra. Well, actually, we started calling it jock bra, but then decided jog bra was better. Yeah. So were you, and you like testing all these prototypes? Would you go out for runs? And Yep. 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 And and it wasn't until that one that it actually worked. And, you know, humor is so important, I got to tell you, because even that came into being because of a joke my my then husband had we were having trouble and he, he literally came down the stairs with his jockstrap pulled over his head and said, ha, 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 look at this. <laughs> and we thought that was so funny that I took it off him and pulled it on over my head. And 
when the cup went over my breast, I went, oh, oh, you know what? Anyway, <laughs> it's a true story. That is, well, they say that, right? I mean, what makes a good like entrepreneur is looking in your in your own life at the problems you have and then creating a solution around that. So, I mean, who better to do Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Absolutely. That is true. You know, one of the things um, I always tell people when they're asking about starting businesses and, and such, I say, look, if you're going into business because you want to make money, if you're, you want to be an entrepreneur to make money, that is not the right reason to do it at all. If it's because it's a problem that you've spotted and you have a solution, great. But if all, if you just want to make money, don't, don't, do it for that reason. Right. And is that just because you really want to have a passion behind it? You want to be able to do the long haul of whatever winding road the product takes or the service business takes? Absolutely. I I mean, because, (laughs) you know, you have to wear so many hats and not all of them are fun. And, you know, you have to be in the nitty gritty in the kitchen, washing the dishes as well as then be the visionary who's dealing with complex, far-flung plans and ideas, as well as then, and in our case, being in the packing and shipping room and shipping out bras, you know, packaging them and shipping them. Um, it, It really runs the gamut, and you have to be passionate about what you're doing. And in my case, it I, I had no idea. I mean, for me, I was just solving my own problem, and I thought, well, gee, if I have this problem, I bet other women do too. And and maybe a nice little mail order business on the side. I had no idea. The orders came in like crazy. I had to quit school. Wow. In order, you know, I went, I went to my um, advisor and said, what do I do? You know, this is just taking off. And he looked at me and he said, Lisa, you can always come back to school. <laughs> yes. But you, you should, you should see where this business is going, you know, see what happens. And, you know, it was, um, 30 years before I went back to graduate school. Wow. So (laughs) did it, was it literally just like one, one woman told another woman told another woman, and then it just sort of expanded that way? Or did you guys, were you in stores? Did you put out a catalog? Like, how did you, how did you have that expansion happen? Um, well, it, it was not just word of mouth. Uh, it, we were like sponges. I got to tell you, we learned a lot very quickly. Uh, one of mm. my favorite, I, I knew nothing about, the, well, let me back up and say, I was very clear from the beginning that the jog bra was not lingerie. Right. It was sports <laughs> equipment. It was athletic equipment. And so therefore, and also I knew that department stores and, and selling and buying there was a crazy age old business. We, we were newcomer. Nobody was going to give us the time of day, but in sporting goods stores, they were smaller at the time. They were often guys who were runners or, or jocks or old football players that, you know, they were participants. We could talk to them and that was instinct. Mm, and yeah. um, then it was just a matter of, asking questions of everybody. It is amazing how wonderful people are and how much they really do want to help. You just have to ask the question. And, and we did, boy, we, 
fantastic. I will never forget one of my favorite stories is um, we we put this little tiny ad in Running Times magazine and said, you know, um, jog bra, the bra for running. And it had my my personal address and phone number in it. And we had no idea. And it even said dealer inquiries invited. And I didn't even know what a dealer was. <laughs> some, some store had told my partner to, to put that in. And I said, is that the same as a retailer? Right. <laughs> we didn't, we really didn't know. And, um, but anyway, so I came in from a run one day and my phone was ringing. My, this is my own phone. And this was back before cell phones, by the way. And so I answered it, and it was this gentleman from somewhere in the south, and he said, I saw your ad, and are y'all, y'all looking for sales reps? And I went, what's a rep? Right. <laughs> and there's this long pause on the other end of the phone, and he says, you new to the sporting goods business? And I said, uh, yeah. And he goes, you have a minute? <laughs> and went, uh, yeah, and that lovely gentleman spent an hour and a half on the phone with me explaining the sporting goods business and sales representation and what we what they did for us and what we needed to do for them and how you sell into stores and commission rates and wow. samples. I mean, he was wonderful. And at the end of that phone call, I hired him. I remember saying. You mean I sell you? I send you samples for free? And again, he paused and he went, uh, "Yeah, I gotta show him something." <laughs> I went, "Oh yeah, I guess so." <laughs> Financial anxiety, anyone? Yeah, you're not alone. But worrying about it, it doesn't help. Earnin does. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to a hundred dollars per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 per day as you work and leave an additional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So how would you spend the money you get from Earnin? Well, honestly, my hubby and I have been feeling a little bit disconnected lately. That's what happens after you've been together about 12 years. So I would spend the money on a special date night with dinner and maybe bowling, you know, to bring back some of that giggly excitement that we both felt at the beginning. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security, gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin, T-A-L-K-A-N, money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin money under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news, well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet. I know, so archaic. And it was so time consuming. I tried all of the apps, but I just didn't find one I liked until I found Monarch. And I've got to tell you a secret. Monarch is so easy to use with a very intuitive design. You can even collaborate with your partner and you can customize Monarch for whatever your needs are. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Let's go back to the collaboration bit. Because we know money is a leading cause of divorce and breakups, Monarch has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. You can see all your finances, make a budget together, get insights on your cash. Yes, cue the confetti. There will literally not be any more arguments over money. And if you've been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, or rarely updated, so was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch has a tool that allows you as well to easily import your data from Mint. You can keep all of your tags and all of your categories. After trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. It's Tuesday, and we have another Ask Shauna. This is one from Ben. Ben says, Hi, Shauna. I'm a fan of the podcast. Thanks for all that you do. I recently accepted a new job, which I start next week. My new employer will allow me to join their 401k plan after a year with the company. I'm wondering what I should do with my current 401k. One of my goals for the year is to be debt-free. I'm considering potentially extracting and using some of my existing 401k funds to pay off my credit card debt and student loans. I also have a Roth IRA, so I'm thinking about adding the max amount this year to that account with the funds as well. I know that this will incur taxes, but I'm really wanting to wipe away my debt. I realize the standard option would be to leave the 401k as is until next year when I could add to it with my new account. Is it okay to consider using some of my 401k to take care of the debt? Ben, thanks so much for being a listener. This is a great question, and I'm going to run off a list of cons for taking money out of your 401k, your IRA, etc. before age 59 and a half. But at the end of the day, there are also a few pros potentially that I want you to think about. So the cons. 
you'll have a 10% penalty on the funds you take out, plus you're going to pay taxes based off your tax rate. So let's give an easy example. Let's say you make $70,000 a year and you took out $20,000 from your retirement account, you'd be taxed on $90,000 that year, which may not sound that bad, except it could put you in a higher tax bracket and then result in a higher tax bill. So something you definitely want to think about, talk to an accountant or CPA with your specific numbers so you know how that will directly impact you. So while you'll be paying off your debt, which is obviously a pro, and you'll be knocking out whatever that interest rate is, on the flip side, you may have to just plan a little bit for a tax bill. Plus, of course, it also means that you're going to lower your retirement fund balance and any potential growth. So those are the negatives. Now, with that said, this is where it comes down to the, I call it, quote unquote, how I sleep at night factor. If you understand the negatives, but you really, 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 I don't know how many reallys I'm going to have to do here, but let's just say like 50 reallys hate your debt to the point that it keeps you from sleeping soundly. You wake up in the morning like a cold sweat. I hate debt. I hate this. I hate paying it every month. It makes me stressed out. I'm afraid. Whatever those words are for you. Then you have something to consider. And this is where the gray area really comes in because if we look at the cons, if we look at the math around taking money out of your retirement account, it doesn't bode really well. But this whole month, we're talking about the emotional side of money. And I talk about this all the time on the show because I think it's really important and we overlook the emotional side of money. If you go to a financial planner, they're going to look you in the face and probably tell you, don't take money out because it doesn't mathematically make sense. But the emotional side of money says, okay, but we also have to consider at what cost. So just like in your retirement accounts, when you're deciding what to invest in, you're looking at your risk tolerance, like how risky you want to be, how much risk are you willing to take on for a potential return? The same thing can kind of be said in situations like this, weighing out the pros and cons. If the con is so negative to you of having this debt that, like I said, it's it's holding you back, it's keeping you up at night, it's, it's making you panic and filled with anxiety, whatever it is for you, if that is so unbearable to you, then it's worth considering maybe the cons are not as bad as they are in your situation. So it really is going to come down to thinking about those two different dynamics, how they weigh for you in your situation. I will say, before you decide to take money out of your retirement account, I would look at every other option first. And maybe you have, but can you find extra cash in your bank account each month that you can put towards the debt payoff? Are you actually in your numbers every month looking at where your money's being spent? Can you get a low interest loan, maybe from parents or a relative, something where you can pay off that debt, you can still pay back your family or relatives, whoever it may be, but it's a much lower interest rate. Can you refinance your student loans to a lower interest rate? Is that Does that make a difference? Can you get your credit cards on, say, a 0% interest card for 15 months, 18 months, however many months you can get, and then rapidly pay them off? So those are just a couple of alternatives. Maybe you might be able to come in up with a few more. Maybe that jogged your mind. But 
look at all the alternatives first and weigh those out. Are any of those practical or any of those options, do they actually work in your situation? Maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know the answer to that. If you do decide to go ahead with this, you'd have to withhold taxes if you took money out of your 401k. So most people don't like to do that. Instead, what most people elect is to do something called a trustee-to-trustee transfer to an IRA, so rolling your 401k money directly into a new IRA that you set up, where you can opt not to have taxes withheld and then pay up later, or if you can put the money back within 60 days, you avoid some of those cons associated with this process. So, Ben, there's a lot of things to consider because taking money out of your retirement account does have some hefty downsides. But also don't discount the emotional side and really spend some time thinking about that, really, because a lot of this process you can't undo once you've done it. So really look at things, write them out on a piece of paper, think about your situation, and then with some confidence, make your decision. So I hope that at least helped you point in the right direction. If you're listening, you haven't asked Shauna, what are you waiting for? Head on over to the link in the show notes or over to our podcast hub at mmoneypodcast.com. Right on the homepage, you'll find the Ask Shauna section. Fill it out, and I am so excited to answer your question. So it was almost probably like better you didn't know all of these aspects going into it. You just were like, I have this great product and maybe almost like some sort of ignorance in it was was the beauty of it as well. Oh, absolutely. Because it turned out that it was the right product at the right time. But also, if I had been in business school or something, if I had done market research about this idea I had, I would probably never have gone into business because market research would have shown me that bra sales had been in decline for over a decade. Mm. That in fact, in, in the seventies, let us remember what the seventies were like. Women had been burning their bras, if not literally, certainly metaphorically. I mean, it was the, the, second wave of women's lib and, you know, our hair was getting longer and our skirts were getting shorter. And we were, you know, not about, I was of the generation where my mother was trying to get my 13 year old self to wear girdles and stockings, you know, and my 17 year old self was wearing mini skirts and tights. And, you know, we were not, things were really changing. And if I had done market research, I would have said, oh, no, this is not an economy or a market for bras. Oh, no, no. Well, in fact, the sports bra totally changed the the bra market, if you will. It it, in every all these traditional bra makers went and made sports bras and increased their sales dramatically. And now what is it? Over 45 years later, what, whatever, um, now it, the sports bra is credited with giving birth to athleisure. Totally. I mean, yeah. I mean, talk about being a trailblazer for, for women's health and, uh, just a whole other outlet for women to go out and exercise and, and let alone just, I mean, women just now wear sports bras around just, 
just because. I mean, sometimes I just put one on because it just feels good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I do have to say that one of the outcomes that I really had not expected to see was, you know, again, I was just doing to solve my own problem. But in fact, it was a problem that was so much larger. And I'm sure you're aware in 1972, Title IX was passed, which said that any federally funded program, uh, athletic program, there had to be equal money for women and girls as there was for the guys. And that was great. But what it didn't address was that was the pain and discomfort that women were experiencing in trying to be athletic around their, their breast movement. And so while Title IX did half of the job, until the sports bra appeared in 1977, women's self-consciousness, their discomfort, their those concerns were not addressed. And mm, yeah. their actual figures, I mean, that show that the increase in women and girls' athletic participation, and I'm not just talking about organized sports, but just being out there on, in the street and, and uh, on the field, since the advent of the sports bra, it it yeah. it shocks me. Well, I'm curious. Like, what would you say to other women entrepreneurs? You you talked about if you would have done the market research, maybe you would have been like, "I am not creating this thing at all." Like, what advice would you give to somebody who, uh, or how maybe to balance what the market is saying versus their intuition or maybe their own needs for creating a product? Um, uh, I would say to trust your instinct, to trust your gut, um, always. The market research is, is one thing, but, uh, especially, uh, one's instincts are, are important. And also look at your own track record. If you are a person who is a problem, Tighter and solver, and have always been in your jobs the one that says, "Hey, you know, we should move that filing cabinet over there. Mm, it would make yeah. the flow much better." Da, 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 da. Then trust your gut. You know that you're made that way. Trust, trust yourself. And the other thing that that I really feel is so important is that you know being in business, being in commerce, it's all about relationships. It is so much about relationships. Yes. Um, Between you and your customers, the customer and the product, um, the vendors, it's all about relationships. And relationships are strengthened and built on trust. And, um, And what is trust? Trust is delivering on any promises you make. And oh, by the way, and this is so important for entrepreneurs, those promises begin between you and you. Mm, Yeah. Why are you, right, why are you going into business? What's your purpose? What are other outcomes that might happen from this decision? You know, what promises are you making to yourself and to others? You know, these are really the basics, the real underpinnings of the structure um, 
of our lives and of our businesses. Yeah, that's such great advice. Wow. Do you feel like the entrepreneurial climate for women has changed a lot since the 70s when you started? Or do you see patterns where maybe we're still kind of stuck in some of those trends? Well, you know, actually, I have two things to say about that. One, in answer to your question, yes, things have changed since the 70s, absolutely. Um, And for the better. And the second thing I need to say is, I wish we didn't have to talk about women entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. I wish we didn't have to make the distinction because we are all humans, Mm -hmm. you know, and what's, it is really where we are today is that we are talking about gender equality and, and that is so important. And to even talk about women entrepreneurs, I wish we were instead, we're talking about, what qualities does this human being bring to the table? And, and too often we deal in stereotypes. And really when we're talking about gender differences, we're talking in stereotypes. Women are better at relationships. Men are more competitive. You know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that is so, you know, it might generally be true, but it's not necessarily true. You got to look at who is that person. And, um, you know, and that's what my experience has taught me. Oh, by the way. Um, so that's what yeah. I have to say about that. Yeah, no, that's that's great advice. And I'm absolutely with you on that. I mean, I wish that we didn't have to segment and separate and put people in boxes like we do. And we could all just come at things as humans that when sometimes we have a strength in this and a weakness in that and that's what makes us all, uh, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, like, so you, you got this sales rep, you started having the gangbuster sales and, and other, uh, bra manufacturers started to implement a version of the sports bra. Where did the story go from there? (laughs) Well, my story, uh, we grew, well, we grew the business. It grew really rapidly. I mean, our average growth rate was 25% per year. Wow. And yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. And one of the things that I always say, I mean, I, is you cannot grow a business unless you are willing to grow with it personally, you know, because all growth is, is change. And so in order to be responsive to that change. What happens is you as a person, you've got to change. And that's what happened to me and my partner. I mean, we, we, uh, and luckily we were, we were in an an era, the late seventies and the 1980s when personal growth was also an industry. (laughs) (laughs) There were, there were all kinds of, um, you know, uh, what do you, what do you, what is the buzzword for it? personal growth seminars? Yeah, and yeah. Gurus and what was it? Uh, Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra and well, of course, he's, I'm still a fan of his. But um, all kinds of that stuff going on, and we took advantage of it and we brought it in house. 
but we had to because we we could not have done this without our own growth happening at the same time. And you know who else talks about that is um, the guy that started Whole Foods. Yes. Um, and I actually I quote him in my book. I I wrote a I just recently published a book about um, called uh, Here's the Plug called Unleash the Girl, um, which is a story of inventing the sports bra and the wild ride that it was. And I quote him because he talks about how the business got would get stuck at at times because he was stuck. Mm, and yeah. um, so that was that's a really important element. And and so as the the business grew so rapidly, we had to grow with it and change. And there came a point. When and we were always able to, you will appreciate this. Um, finance it from within. Very finance important. Growth. Yes. And um, then we couldn't anymore because twenty five percent of uh, ten thousand <laughs> yes. dollars is a lot different than twenty five percent of ten million dollars. Yes. So, um, so we were, and this was way before. IPOs were, you know, like, like the, uh, the thing to do. Yeah. Lunch. Right. So, uh, we were going to have to go and get serious ba- bank financing and yada, yada, yada to, to keep on growing and going. And, um, I knew that I really didn't want to do that. Wow. And, um, and at the same time, my phone rang one day, and it was someone fishing to see if we were interested in selling the business. Mm. And within a within um, probably an, I think it was eighteen months. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But uh, we ended up selling the business. Wow! To um, and that and the and the growth was part. You know, financing that growth was part of it. Sure, sure. So in. So in 1990, we sold the business, and I stuck out, stuck it out. You know, I had a contract to see the transition through and all. But in by 1992, I was gone. I was back in the art studio. Wow, what what a story! I mean, that's just it's just so fascinating and encouraging. I've been an entrepreneur my entire career, so. I know what it's like to do 50 million jobs and to, uh, uh, you know, to yeah. have a, a vision for something. And it's, it's always like so inspiring to talk to other, other people who have, who've done the same thing and have, have done it with such success. Do you, do you still well, wear sports bras? Oh, well, I do accept, I will say one of the holes in the sports bra universe is uh, for larger-breasted women. Oh. There still is not a really good functional. Maybe that's that's two point <laughs> Well, no, I did. I I did. I have did start another business, but that was for a medical a, a bra. It's not. Well, it's called the compressor comfort bra, but it's actually a medical device for breast cancer survivors mm, who wow. develop something called lymphedema. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Um, that's it. That was a really interesting um, 
discovery too, learning and discovery. That was, and it's now distributed by Jobst, which who are the yes. premier compression company. Yeah, I'm getting all my plugs in. <laughs> yeah, my gosh. Well, I, well, I mean, it just what, how you've been able to take the initial idea you had and recreate it in different ways with the knowledge you have, I think is, is really inspiring. I I'd love for if, if somebody's listening and they're, they're trying to figure out, maybe they have this big idea and they're trying to figure out how to bring it to life. What would you tell them to, to focus on maybe something they could do immediately, something they could do today? Right about it. Well, Every, you know, everybody's different. Everyone is different. But for me, it, it was to sit down. One of the most valuable things I did, and everybody's going to groan, but one of the most valuable things I did was sit down and w- write down a vision. What do you call it? A vision statement. If you're more visual, do a vision board. Or write. When the Small Business Administration made me write a business plan, it was the best thing I ever did. And at the time, I called it financial fairy tales because I didn't know I, I didn't know how many bras I was going to sell in the next year. I had no idea, but I had to think it all through. I had to envision it, and it was so powerful and so helpful. It, so that maybe actually all that would be the second thing because the first thing I would do is take myself seriously. Mm. That's such a good suggestion. And I think so many of us just, we discount ourselves. Oh, I can't do that. Or that's not a good idea. Or I surely can't, you know, have enough money to get it off the ground. What fill in the blank, whatever it is. I think that's such powerful advice. And, and the, the other thing I say is, you know, don't, there are a million naysayers out there. Oh, somebody else has done that. Oh, you can't hear. We're going to get a a million naysayers, and you just cannot listen to them. You cannot. You can you can like have a have a file that you put all those cautions into because they're cautionary cautions, cautions. But you're you're never going to end up in the Olympics if somebody tells you not to stand up. <laughs> Not to take that first step. I know that sounds trite, but it's so true. I loved Elisa's lessons on money. As she said in the interview, don't start a business for money. Start it because you are curious. I think curiosity is this great ingredient when you're an entrepreneur. So I want to ask you, what are you curious about? What is that idea that you've had that you've been too afraid to start? What if you started and changed the world? It could happen. I'm sure Lisa never imagined that one of her original jog bras would hang in the Smithsonian, but it does. So go after that thing you want to do. Do it scared with your knees knocking. God knows I have done that so many times. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. We are all about community here on the podcast. So if you know someone that is ready to change their life and change their relationship around money, share this episode with them. Let's invite everyone into this place where talking about money is approachable, relatable, and dare I even say, a little bit fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the behind the scenes on today's episode, 
make sure to check out the show notes. You can find all our episodes at mmoneypodcast.com. If you love this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC.